All right, everybody, welcome back to the Mountaineer Media Podcast. CJ Harvey here, Cooper Zimmerman with me, as always. Coop, what's happening? What's up, man? Yep, yep, good stuff, and uh, not a lot. But we do have a great episode today with the new Manon. He is the founder of Me A Cup Of Coffee in Charleston, West Virginia. They've got three locations, although he doesn't like to call himself the founder or the CEO, executive director. He has a couple of titles that he likes to refer to himself. We'll get to those here in just a second during the interview. But uh, we have, on top of this interview, a little news, but... Before we get to the new partnership that we have, Cooper, your thoughts on this episode with the new, because this is a guy that's not from West Virginia. He's from Texas, but he certainly planted his roots here and really made this home. Look, I, every time we get a small business owner on it, I get a little bit nostalgic because I, you know, I tend to maybe romanticize small business ship a little, small business ownership a <laughs> little bit. Explain, what do you mean about, yeah, what do you mean? Well, because it's like, same thing with like Chef Paul Smith, you know, you can just see these people thinking in action that they have a passion for something. Venu worked in the coffee industry. He explained to us working, and we won't spoil the episode, but he worked in the coffee industry. And, you know, he was like, you know what? I can, I feel like I can do this. I can compete at this. I can yeah. show it the level of respect and nuance and authenticity and bring to life a vision and you just hear that come across um with you know talk with business owners and his his lane that he wants to compete and share with the world is coffee and like you said i mean he is giving charleston a coffee identity um and we do cj have a partnership so we recognize that cj is a regular high flyer there at mia cuppa on the episode i I jump down the my, street. I love it. <laughs> my dad goes there often. It, yeah. it does. It becomes like we have your meetings there. <laughs> you know? It becomes your favorite little coffee, you know, neighborhood coffee shop. And we saw that and recognized that. And CJ, much credit to you. We kind of just had this vision of like, you know what, you know, Mountaineer Media, you guys are listening to this. Or if you're new here, uh, welcome in. We absolutely relentlessly support these small businesses in West Virginia. So we felt like we could work out something that was mutually beneficial, that supported our fan base, that helped the coffee shop grow and you know help get more exposure to listen to conversations with the mountaineer media podcast and cj i'll let you kind of reveal the details of it but we did um meet with Vidu and, we, and we're launching as of right now as you're listening yeah. to this a new partnership with me a couple yeah so the the deal is it's nothing on paper it's nothing spectacular but it does kind of give everybody a reason to go to me a couple go in the shop so if you step into any of me a couple's three locations the one in elk city on bigley avenue the one at capital market which is the kind of the cornerstone they've made that the cornerstone of their place and that that was the original location and now the one at the brand new state-of-the-art library they've got three locations if you go in walk in you buy a cup of coffee you're gonna see um you're gonna see our logo beside a qr code and if you scan that qr code and you sign up for the mountaineer media newsletter while you're there at me a cup you're gonna be entered for a chance to win for a 30 dollar gift card for me a cup so that's through the rest of February, that's through the rest of March, and through the rest of April. So we've got three gift cards, maybe more. Venu even said that he might hint he hinted at giving away more, but we've got at least three $30 gift cards that we're gonna give away over the next couple of months. We're gonna uh, let the winners know at the end of February, let the winner know at the end of March, and let the winner know at the end of April. So all you gotta do, go into me a cuppa, support the small business, buy a cup of Joe while you're there, but go ahead, you're gonna see the QR code saying, Enter here to win a $30 Mia Cup of gift card. Scan the QR code. Sign up for the Mountaineer Media newsletter, which in itself is 
valuable. very Super very valuable. valuable because it tell that's the best way that we can give you some of the stuff that we've got going on podcasts events other discounts for other small businesses in west virginia like the one that we have for with loving west virginia right now loving wv so a lot of great stuff it's a jam-packed very good newsletter that uh, we think that everybody will want to be a part of this isn't just like some sign up and unsubscribe the second you get it this is something that i think you are going to go back to click open look at what we've got going on because this is just west virginia news coming from west virginians so we think this is a perfect collaboration venu was super open to this idea of collaborating with other small businesses that's a topic that we get into but go ahead step into any of the me a couple locations any of the three, you're going to see the QR code, scan it, sign up for the newsletter. You're going to be automatically entered for a $30 gift card. Three, one of three, and you only have to do it once. You don't have to go back each month. You only got to do it once, step in there, scan the QR code. You're going to be tell entered. Tell your friend, so, tell your friend. Yeah, jump tell on Tell your friends, there. pass it on, please. Your yeah. grandma, get her on the newsletter. We want yeah, it. please. Even <laughs> grannies. Hey, this is this is a friendly, fun all newsletter. Ages. So, yeah, yeah, all ages accepted. So anyway, uh, Um yeah. Other news, other news, guys. If you are new to listening, and if you're not, I'm gonna. I always said this it. is something. Hold on, this is always when I used to work at the TV station. They always gave out these when I was a reporter there. I don't yeah. work there anymore, but they always gave away these like things, pieces of information. Like this is our demographic. These are the people that we we're going after, and largely it was the grandmothers and grandfathers yeah. that felt like I was the per- they, that was one of the reasons they watched so my demographic was definitely grandparents so you're anyway, probably total top, side note. <laughs> you're probably top I would say top 10 famous amongst people over the age of 60 probably think about that in, tra- <laughs> yeah, in think, the Charleston area people recognize yeah, your name probably in the yeah. top 10 you think yeah I, top-, top 10 I'm a I mm. used to joke I was a D-list artist right I was a D-list TV star in Charleston but Anyway, the, I was always told that my demographic was uh, the the older generation, and I, I respect that. I appreciate that. So thank you for watching yes. WCHS. I'm not there anymore, but anyway, that was just a. I just wanted to share, let everybody know that I am well aware that the the grandparents you can't forget about the oldest generation. That's just wrong. Anyway, well, continue, Cooper. Continue all, with what you're rolling with. Well, all ages, people, uh, business leaders, entrepreneurs, passionate West Virginians, all of those yeah. folks are also welcome at the Almost Heaven Classic. If you're around Mountaineer Media, you know what this is. This is our yep. flagship annual gathering of West Virginians, a two-day event the first year. We hope to do this every single year, guys. Uh, I don't know if we've kind of said that, but this is going to be a thing that we hope to tour around the entire state, introduce new communities and people, you know, increase tourism in the local areas. But the first year, is at Canaan Valley in one of my most beloved area regions of the state up in Davis and Thomas, the perfect little mountain towns. The first night is networking. We have heavy hors d'oeuvres, craft beer. We've got photo booths, fun little activities, giveaways. Also, we have a live podcast that's going to take place in the same room. So as you're rubbing shoulders with people, you're networking, you're meeting people, you're getting inspired. CJ and I are going to be sitting on stage with three influential West Virginians at the height of West Virginia business. Brad Smith, the president of Marshall, former global CEO. He's going to be there sitting on stage with us. Sarah Biller, the executive director of something called Vantage Ventures, which is a venture cap group funded by billionaire John Chambers, also proud West Virginian, also a guy that we had on the podcast to talk about that. And then the third person that we're announcing, which we've teased it on there, is Dennis. I'm sorry, I see you was holding the piece of paper. Yeah, sorry, I'm, Brandon, I messed it up. Brandon Dennison. Yeah. 
<laughs> Brandon yeah. Dennison, yes. who is the CEO, CJ, of something called, who we had on the podcast, listeners know this, Coalfield Development, a social entrepreneur enterprise that is building the pipeline, foundational, cultural aspects of good, healthy labor forces in West Virginia. So literally, CJ, I mean, first year, I mean, I think we got a, like the Beatles. I mean, we have three <laughs> amazing people on this show. And I think I'm just, I'm so fired up. You can get your ticket. You're thinking, holy Christ, I got to come to this thing. Mountaineermedia.org is where you can lock in your ticket right now. Yeah. And and we've kind of talked about this before, and I promise we're getting to the interview here shortly. This is a good one with Vanu. You're going to want to stick around. But the kind of the theme this year, it's it's an unofficial theme that we've been kicking around is investing in West Virginia's future. So if, if you are investing in West Virginia's future in some shape, form or fashion, in some capacity, this is the event. This is the kind of place that you want to be at because you are going to be connecting with and rubbing shoulders with other people who are doing the same things. Sarah Biller, Brad Smith and Brandon Dennison are all doing it in very unique and different ways, but everybody else that's going to be a part of this are also, it doesn't matter, young, old, if it's your professional career, if it's a side hustle, or if it's something that kind of that you want to break into, if it's, you know, Maybe an if area. you're not doing it, but you just want it, to come and see how you can it, get Exactly, in. how you can fit in. Yes, exactly. Well said. This is the opportunity to do that. So the Almost Evan Classic Friday networking event is going to be spectacular. And as we record this, the, the golf outing on Saturday, we're running thin on available spots for the yep. golf outing. And so the hopefully the, the sooner that you hear this, the sooner that you sign up because i think here in a couple of months there aren't going to be any spots left so jump on it now if you if you love golf if you love playing golf in west virginia this is uh the outing for you so friday networking saturday golf cooper a blast a blast get your ticket right now mountaineermedia.org but let's get you to right now the episode with Venu here on the mountaineer media podcast does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode here. CJ Harvey, Cooper Zimmerman with me Morning. as always. And then we've got a great guest today, Venu Menon. For the, um, okay, give me your the title that you like to tell uh, or give to your I, employees. Yeah. I, I tell people that I'm the founding barista. I don't like the, I don't like the big fancy titles. So. Yeah, not, not the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I was chief, I was, I was chief coffee officer for a while, but I've changed it to founding barista. Yeah. Chief coffee, the CCO. I like, I like CCO, that. Yeah. Yeah. The chief coffee officer, the, the chief barista. Well, appreciate you coming on and, um, congratulations on all of your success. Me a cup of, it's you. certainly the place to go in Charleston. Um, maybe you can even run it back for us because you have a story that I think resonates with a lot of West Virginians or current West Virginians that you didn't exactly grow up in the mountain state, but you have found your way here and you have really uh, planted yourself and kind of buried your roots here and have really called this place home. Maybe you can kind of give us your, your background and how you got here. Sure. Um, my, uh, my sister and I grew up most of our lives in North Texas, just outside of Dallas. And, um, we both got married within a few years of each other. We both started having kids within a few years of each other. So she met somebody from West Virginia while doing Teach for America. He was from Buchanan, West Virginia. And so they ended up going to grad school at WVU. 
and uh, eventually settled into Charleston. And so while our kids, and she and I are the only siblings in the family, while our kids were pretty young, you know, starting at probably age two, three, four, and five, they were all spaced about a year apart. Um, we'd start visiting. And so we loved that the cousins got to play with each other and hang out. And and she and I never got to hang out with our cousins that much. So it was kind of a, this would be cool if we could make this work out more regularly. So um, at the time, they looked for ways to come to Texas. And I started looking for ways to possibly come to West Virginia. Every time we visited, we loved it. Loved the land, loved the people, loved the seasonality. It was just really nice. That's awesome. And so um, at the time, I was with Starbucks and uh, was uh, looking to transfer. And at the time, uh, there was only one Starbucks store in the capital of West Virginia. It was in, in the mall. So hmm. they said, we're going to build one out, uh, a drive throughout in the, in the shopping area, Southridge, Corridor G. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I want to be there. And uh, 45 days before they opened that store, they said, oh, we, it was right before the economic downturn. And uh, they just put a halt on everything. They said, we're, we're canceling all our real estate deals. We're putting everything on hold, no more domestic growth. And they said, you don't have a store anymore. And I said, well, I have two mortgages, so we need to figure something out. And uh, so I was able to come on as a store manager for a location that was already open in Barbersville. And I was there for about six and a half years before I had the chance to do something on my own. Yeah. Okay. And so how did you turn that? So you're working at Starbucks. How did you go from, you know, managing one of these Starbucks at Barbersville to now owning three, me a couple locations, more than Starbucks at Charleston? <laughs> well, well, I used to, um, prior to working for Starbucks, at a much earlier point in my life, I was in the restaurant business. I had my own little restaurant. At one time, my sister had her own restaurant. At one time, my mom had her own restaurant, sort of kind of entrepreneur food service and foodieism is in our blood a little bit. And so um, that part you know, it was kind of always calling at me a little bit, but uh, I was just playing basketball with some buddies and and one of them said, Hey, I know a guy who has two shops. He has one in Fayetteville and one in the capital market. And he's looking for somebody to manage them. And so I said, yeah, I'll talk to him. And, uh, I talked to him. I started helping him out a little bit. By the time we finished everything, he said, well, I'm, I'm closing the shop in Fayetteville. And so, um, at, I ran the one in the capital market for him for a little bit. It was a little kiosk. It wasn't really much of a store. It was a really small presence at the time. And eventually he became more hands-off and I wanted to do more with it. So I just said, hey, why don't you just let me, why don't you just let me buy you out? Let me buy all your stuff. And you know, I don't need the name or anything, but I have some ideas what I want to do. And so we worked on something and that was how it happened to be. Yeah. What was it called before? It was, uh, it was called Musical Grounds. I think that I the gentleman who yeah. had it was a professor of music and uh, huh. it was a a avid, you know, traveler of Europe and really wanted to do something European style here. And, uh, you know, it was the genesis of it. I think it, it, it changed quite a bit since then, but. Well, you know, I want to give my, my dad actually a shout out to my dad. We live up in Mink Shoals, you know, grew up in Mink Shoals up in Elfie area. So we always come down, pop into the capital market and, you know, capital markets, world-class market brings community together and you guys are there and he always gets the, the white chocolate mocha when he's there. It's like his, like every, like damn near every day. His go-to. Yeah. And his office is like a couple blocks down on Virginia street. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. So just wanted to give him a shout out cause he comes down there and sees you guys every day. Pretty um, good chance. I, I probably would recognize oh, him if I saw him. I don't know if probably. I probably. Yeah. Well, the, some of the, some of the girls working up front just know, like he doesn't, he just doesn't even say anything now. They just like know what his order is and he, he takes it. Um, you don't, I, I can agree with that sentiment. Sorry to cut you off, but no, I, I get dirty chives like 90% of the time that I'm in there. And most of the baristas that I go in there, they're like, oh, dirty chai, almond milk. Got it. We're on the way. That's awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. We try to do. Yeah. 
That's kind of, yeah, that was a kind of what I was going to lead to is that, you know, co coffee shops are community hubs. They're people where they feel like they can go and relax. It's, it's like a piece of their life. It's a, it's a moment in time where it's escapism for people. It's more than just a coffee and a drink, right? You can make your coffee. At Absolutely. Home. You know, everybody knows the economics. I could buy big, big coffee and make yeah. it at home. It's, but, but people do it because it's a piece of their life. And my question around that, though, is and I think you would agree because I've, I've been in your shops, I get the vibe, I understand the presence, but how much thinking, I guess, would you say went into coming from a Starbucks model where it is, that is quote unquote big coffee, how much went into like the aesthetics, the vibe, the ambiance of the shops, the decorations and the mood that you're trying to set within your shops? Sure. Um, well, the thing that I really appreciated about them, and I was with, I was with that company for about 10 years. And I saw a lot of change within that company. But in the beginning, they were very people-centric, very community-oriented, and they didn't do much with, um, I don't think they were doing anything with drive-throughs at the time. It was a it was a different time for that company. And so, you know, their their mantra and their their kind of focus with their mission and their vision was really about people and community and connecting. And that spoke to me because that's what I'd always done in my restaurants and other businesses, um, other places I'd worked. And so um, it was pretty deliberate. You know, I, I, I tell people even now when I interview that, you know, what I want is I want kindness first. And then we talk about coffee and other stuff after that. The teachable things, you know, uh, anybody can open a place that has nice equipment or a beautiful store or um, high-end coffee. But uh, the stuff that we can't do duplicate easily is nice people, you know. So um, making it a community hub and, and to what you asked specifically, you know, um, in this day and age, more so than when I started in coffee, you know, I've been in coffee, like, I guess, 20 years now, but, or 18-ish, more so than when I started, there are less places where we go and gather and, um, you know, just have a community with other friends and family. Um, there aren't very many places you go in your day-to-day -day life where they recognize you or know what's going on, or you know them, and we, we connect on a more personal level. Um, a lot of things are electronic now, and life is just busy, mm -hmm. so, you know, uh, the you know starbucks was the first place i heard the term the first place i heard the term third place which meant not home not work but a place we can gather and so yeah that that idea is super important to me and i'm, I'm glad we're able to have a little bit of that in our stores well, i have cool. i have heard that yeah like the third place it's not home it's not work it's somewhere else and it's true i mean they almost are they're facilitators of business in the community i mean because yeah. like cj and i like when we're in town and we're like, let's meet up. Like we've we've run Mountaineer Media meetings, sitting at the <laughs> me a at, at the Oak City location <laughs> on that bar, talking. Yeah, when drink coffee. So they they literally facilitate in you know business in the community where, especially small towns where there's not you know rentable like WeWork situations or stuff like right. that. They really are. They you know they lead to economic you know development and value and, and networking for people. Most definitely, I can't tell you the number of people that I've. Uh, had personal relationships where I've known two people separately for, you know, umpteen years or whatever, and then they connect and they start a business or start a friendship. And I'm like, that's just so gratifying to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and me, Cup is one of the few places too. And I, I like to think that I'm an extrovert most of the time, but if you're at the, if you're at Kroger or shopping or wherever you're shopping, you know, you're, you're not always going to stop and talk to the person that you see. You you might just wait by and, and just say, hey, hello. But at me a couple sometimes you get stopped in, in your tracks and you want to go speak to people. You know, it's different. Right. There's a sure. different atmosphere. It's, it's when you walk in, you don't know who you're going to see. That can be a good or a bad thing. But most yeah. of the time it's going to be you approach that person, you say, hello, how's it going? What are you sipping on? You know, yeah. what, what's going on in your life? And I've had a lot of those interactions. And, and look, if you're in Charleston, you probably get your coffee from me a couple. Let's be real. You've been in one <laughs> of the stores. Have... Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So you go from capital market and then you go to the Bigley location in Elk City, right? Kind of how did you go from kind of jumping from one to now you have two and ultimately three now that you have? You know, um, that that location, the Bigley Avenue location is on my exit on the way home. I live up on the west side. And so um, every day I'd, you know, pretty commonly every day. Yeah. Saw that, saw that whole area when everything was empty, you know, there was, yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, maybe the hobby shop was open, but you know, none of the restaurants were there. Um, Chris's hot dogs had shut down and, and pretty much everything was shuttered. And I always liked that kind of angled mid-century building with the angled glass and the aluminum, you know, uh, framing. And I thought eh, that's, that could be a pretty neat place. Well, eventually I found out that, um, I'm pretty close friends with the person who owns that building and, um, and he wanted someone to be in there and, you know, there was a little cupcake shop there for a little bit. And so we finally started talking. I said, hey, you know, I could do this. I could do another location here. And he's like, yeah, let's work something out. And so um, we spent a year and a half, um, you know, pretty much myself and some family members and some friends. Um, we papered the windows and did all the interior work ourselves and uh, spent a long time finding everything we needed for it. And then uh, we we're able to open a store there. Yeah. You told me one of the times that we just met recently um you had said that you weren't necessarily going for like maybe the classic coffee shop vibe either like very rustic like old pipes hanging in the ceiling sure. like the Bigley Avenue location is very different than what you would expect walking into a classic coffee shop right yeah you know at the time and this you know this is you know uh, we've had we've had the capital market location close to eight years now so mm -hmm. everyone was doing pretty formulaic stuff with coffee which is beautiful there's something yeah nice about it but a lot of chalkboards, a lot of iron pipe, a lot of Edison lights. And um, I just want to, and, and, and on, on another thing to add on to that is one of the things that I learned from Starbucks is that, you know, their consistency and ability to go and do the same thing over and over again was appealing, but it didn't create any surprise or any kind of um, warmth or atmosphere. So yeah. one of my ideas for my company early on when, you know, I didn't even know if I was going to have more than one store was, if we get to have more than one store, each store is going to be very different in its vibe from the other one. So people look forward to seeing what's the next place. Let me, if we, if we build one in Huntington, what's the Huntington location look like, you know? It fits into the community. I mean, that's, yeah, it, it, it kind of reflects the identity of the community. And I've long said, I'm going to put this idea in your head. And if you go forward with this, I want to, I want to partner with you on it. Okay. Is okay. that I think Elf way to leave me out here. <laughs> Oh, not near me. Your part is the whole team. Help me out of that deal. Well, just tease it. My 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 thought is that you know, like I said, I'm from Mink Shoals, Elfie area. Is that the Mink Shoals, Elfie area does not, to my knowledge, and there might be. I don't want to discredit any shops up there, but I don't feel like there's a community driven kind of place up along the Elk River, Big Chimney, Elk View. You know, either went all the way down to Mink Shoals. You can draw a straight line up the Elk River. I don't think there is that kind of aesthetic, cool community hub of a coffee shop. Um, you know, there's a Hardee's or different things that are like you can get coffee at. But sure. I, I, I just think that a place that, like you said, reflects the values, the people, the culture of the area and not saying like, here's just like, you know, like the McDonald's. It's, it's You know, that's their greatest strength is that it's consistent. It's the same. You can walk into a McDonald's right. in Texas, West Virginia, in Canada and get a Big Mac and a milkshake and they expect the same thing. Right. But with, with the coffee shop vibe, you kind of do want it to be different, unique and yeah. like. Uh, built around the people so i don't know that's just my my idea that west virginia maybe more specifically than any other state has all of these like little hub towns that each have their own flavor and culture and history 
that I, I, I think you could replicate that in, you know, in, in all of these towns, you know, in a good portion of these towns. And I think what that speaks to a little bit is what we started off with, like that need for like a community space, a place where yeah. people gather and, and, you know, you know, at one time it was the local breakfast joint in England, it's the pub culture. You know, there's, there's always right. in the espresso bars in Italy, there's always that corner place where you see the same family and friends and you kind of connect there. Um, and no doubt, uh, I think West Virginia, every little town could use that, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. you got to find out what that tipping point is to make it, can it stand up on its own? You know, um, I'd love to put one all over the place. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. It c- yeah. comes out to some sort of economic. Yeah. Would you, I mean, yeah. And then, and, and you know, it's, it's nice that coffee, um, allows us to maybe have a lower entry level entry point than some other businesses, but, uh, it still, still has to, you know, enough people got to come by every day. So. Go ahead, Cooper. No, I was thinking, like, do you see, yeah, I was like, do you see growth? Because I've been on this train of thought. I actually put out a post today that, like, I think West Virginia is primed for the, this culture of, I think, uh, I call it like a renaissance of what people want. I think, like, the suburb, the suburban, like, over the, like, the 50s, 60s, 70s, all these suburban neighborhoods were building and every city became drivable. But what happened is that it, it you stripped away community and, in people's relationships and stuff because we're always in our car we're always driving to places so i I think there is now this appetite for this like walkable city of small businesses of community i think you're starting to see even like neighborhoods kind of develop around that theme of like having things that you can walk to within your neighborhood that bodes well for things like for like coffee shops and, and this kind of stuff do you see that growth in anywhere in other west virginia cities has it caught your attention anywhere elkins or lewisburg or any other places maybe that you feel like you could replicate in your environment in? I think, I think there's a lot of places we could, we could have a spot and it, it would be pretty successful. Um, I think, I think that idea that, you know, people want, uh, a real tangible experience, um, not more suburban sprawl, not the same chain stores, not, you know, everything brand new. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a growing sentiment. I think we see that sometimes with, um, you see it with people who are working from home and people who are moving to, I, I've met some people recently who moved to West Virginia um, because they can work from home and they saw that we we're one of the most beautiful places to live or, you know, uh, affordable or, you know, a number of reasons. But um, uh, I think, I think the more, you know, as time passes, I think we're going to have more and more of that to offer. I think people are going to seek us out for that reason. Yeah. Well, nobody's going to city and remembering it for how many Taco Bells or how many McDonald's right. had or the, the the negative stereotype you know the negative perspective but they're going to remember their if they were just traveling through or they came for a soccer tournament in Dunbar or whatever the case may be when they went to meet a cup they're going to remember that experience oh they had some right. great coffee shops or you know yeah. they had some great local dining I mean the small business aspect of, of Charleston that continues to grow is what is making Charleston Charleston Right. I mean, that's. Yeah. And I think absolutely, you know, um, my friends at other small businesses and I, we see people who say, oh, this is our, our annual stop on the way through to North Carolina. Yeah. We always stop here and we get, you know, food over here and we get coffee over here. And they're, you know, that's their, that's part of their routine, you know, although, albeit an annual routine, but still, you know, so it is making an impact. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's just round out how you got for just to complete the the story here because we've kind of bounced all over the place, but. Capital market, you take that over, you continue to develop it, grow, grow the that location. You go to the you rename it Mia Cuppa, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. then you go to Bigley Avenue and where you're at now in Elf City. And then this new state of the art library opens. How did the conversation with the city of Charleston go? So did they approach you? Did you approach them? Because 
now Charleston has this beautiful high tech library. Yeah. The very first floor, right in the middle of everything, is a Mia Cup location, which yeah, yeah. is just awesome. Um, we are super fortunate to have been involved in that conversation. I think that conversation may have started with some, I was pretty not aware of it in the beginning. And I think mm -hmm. some other things may have fallen through. I don't know if they had someone who was going to occupy the space or different plans. And so um, the, uh, the library and the board and uh, all the players involved had sort of a, uh, I'm not sure what the title would be, like a liaison who was handling all that. And he just sort of cold called me uh, on email one day and said, hey, you know, this is who I am. Um, would you be interested in being over at the library? And I, I had seen the uh, construction billboard saying, here's what's happening, here's when yep. it's opening, you know, the fence yep. around the property, but I really didn't know much about what was going on. And I said, sure, and anytime somebody proposes, I just like, yeah, I'll talk to you for sure. I'm, I'm interested, I don't know if we can do it. Um, and so we had a chance to very early on see the interior of the building before it was done, um, the plans for you know the, the uh, different offerings they were gonna have there. And uh, thought it was a pretty exciting opportunity to serve a section of Charleston that we're not involved in. Although the capital market is is you know downtown adjacent, I don't think it really pulls from downtown a great deal. And so um, you know being able to to play in the downtown market was kind of exciting to us. So um, that came together last minute. It was a gift to us. We wow. really didn't expect it, and it came together very quickly. I think I was contacted in January of last year. They wanted us to um, sign a letter of intent um, to occupy the space starting May 1, and we didn't sign that. We couldn't figure everything out until April 1, so um, we had about six weeks to put together a shop, and it was pretty wow. wild. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's just like small uh, business know, on a fly right there. Kudos to the architects and the designers because they really, they created a beautiful space that we just yeah. had to bring very little to it, so it was yeah. really really nice what's, what's crazy about the library too is that like like you said everybody saw the you know the construction trucks you know the the fencing and and everybody's like okay they're rebuild the library what what's this even gonna look like you know right. and i think everybody's just been blown out of out of the water with how impressive it is and so and and not not for my own purposes at all but if you haven't seen it yet it's absolutely worth seeing we we have something that's i would say world class i think it competes with anything in any big city it's a it's a beautiful uh, they've done a good job of keeping the old library and adding a new, you know, wrap around it. And so you have old and new in the same building. Yeah. Um, it's light, it's airy. It's not, it's not a dark basement library. It's, it's fresh and new. It's really cool. Yep. Yeah. But it, you know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of small business owners that listen to this podcast and we have a lot of, you know, we're, we're staunch supporters of small businesses. We try to do as many collaborations and partnerships. Um, with small businesses, maybe what are some of the things now that you've learned now that you're expanding this, you know, growing little collection of coffee shops now you went from, you know, working at working one, running one, managing one, buying one, opening one. Now you got three of them. Like what are maybe some of the tangible lessons that you've kind of learned over the last couple of years with small business and entrepreneurship? Yeah, I think, I think the main thing would be to kind of keep that small business heart the whole time. Um, you can't let go of your principles and your mission and what you believe in. And to that end, you know, really kind of having that written down and and crystallized a little bit, you know, um, when I only had my own, when I had my own space and it was just me and I was there every day and touching it every day and, and interacting with the customers and getting to know my staff, um, it's easy to implement the culture because you are the culture, right? Yeah. Right. As soon as you have a second location, now you yeah. split yourself in two and then three and et cetera, et cetera. So really conveying, you know, um, you know, if, if you ask somebody in our company, hopefully they know that the most important thing is to be kind and positive, you know, and that's where we start our day. Um, if I, if I've, if, 
you ask somebody in my company, they don't know that. That means I haven't done a good job of conveying that. But whatever that is, that makes your small business special. It makes it, you know, your place. Um, as you grow, don't lose sight of that. And you have to almost double up the reinforcement of it. Yeah. When you, over the course of this conversation, you've shown and displayed your coffee knowledge. How did you educate yourself on owning and running a coffee shop? I mean, have you been to Italy in these espresso bars on every corner? You know, how, how have you tried to uh, learn and soak in as much as you can to try and bring that true coffee culture to Charleston? Well, you know, like I mentioned in the beginning, um, my, my roots are probably more foodie than coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, I love, I love food. I love food of all levels, you know, from frozen pizza rolls all the way up to, you know, (laughs) five-star restaurant. I I love it all. Um, uh, I just want it to be done right and it to be really good. Um, so taking that palette and, (laughs) and shifting it over to another product was, um, not, I won't say it wasn't, it was easy, but it wasn't as difficult as you might think. Um, I will say that, you know, for the longest time, and I think I might've mentioned to this CJ when we were talking is that, you know, I uh, grew up in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad didn't drink a lot of coffee, but when they did drink coffee, it was something out of a can or it was something at, you know, the diner and it was pretty bad coffee. It's been sitting on yeah. a burner all day. It's pretty mediocre. Um, and then when I got the chance to join a coffee company and I was coming from a food management background, I was not coming from a coffee background. One of the last things they asked me on my at the interview was, "How do you drink your coffee?" And I was like, "Man, you know, hate to say this, but I I, I really don't drink coffee." And they said, "Well," and then this is one of the uh, things they went back and forth on a little bit. But at that time, there's like, "We want to hire the person, not their knowledge of coffee." So I got on board, and one of the first things I did at Starbucks, I got to try a Sumatra coffee out of a French press. And I tell people my way of sort of making a story out of it is. Um, if you had American craft cheese singles your whole life, and then somebody gave you a piece of Maytag blue and you're like, whoa, this is also cheese. I didn't know that. You know, that's how coffee hit me the first time. I was like, I would not have even thought this was coffee. There was big, bold flavor. And so it kind of captured me there. Um, I also like, you know, dark chocolate and, you know, stinky cheese and big red wine. I like those big flavors. And um, so it kind of captured me there. And I will add on that, you know, through my journey with um, that coffee company, learning what they do, um, <clears throat> it's sort of a very niche that they, you know, they have their own their own lane, and they stay in it pretty well. You know, it's it's mostly dark roast. It's it, it's um, meant to emulate European coffee, which is centered around espresso. Yeah. So they are big bold flavor, you know, and that's not for everyone. So once I had my own place and I could really venture outside of that and learn about what we call third wave coffee. Um, I could see that, you know, hey, there's a lot of different ways to to do this. And there's a lot of things that are in coffee that sometimes we don't realize, flavors and notes and textures that we don't realize are there. Yeah. It, was, it was a process, a growing process. Um, I think the management end of it and the um, desire to do it well were rooted in my restaurant and, and management background. Um, but the coffee journey, you know, it started with Starbucks and then and really accelerated when I had my own place. Yeah. Yeah, you took that first sip and the caffeine hit and Pandora's box opened and all these lights right started flashing. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> world changed. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. <laughs> oh, good deal. Well, I, we want to kind of say this too, that um, by the time this episode drops, we've got we've kind of like partnered up in a way too, to where <clears throat> we're going to be offering an opportunity for people to win a, some free coffee, basically from me, a cuppa. 
and uh, enter for a chance to win for a, a $30 me a, me a cup of gift card from yep. in February, March, and April. And then, so all you have to do, stop in, scan this QR code, enter your name, and you're automatically entered. Sign up for a newsletter, and you're entered into this uh, drawing. So uh, thanks for that opportunity. Yeah, well, and, and you know, I want to touch on that just real quick. You know, Please. Um, when you asked about small businesses and what, what, they, what I've learned and what I am excited about and what I might, advice to other small business owners. I, I, uh, this idea of collaboration, which the, um, the, the younger folks in the new generation do exceedingly well, um, buy into that, try that. It's amazing. You know, and, uh, in the restaurant industry in particular, um, and I've spoken with a lot of local chefs about this, um, the old way was being very territorial and very guarded, protect your recipes, protect your people, protect your product and not really sharing and collaborating. Um, the new way is let's open it up and, and coffee luckily has always been a very accommodating industry. People are very friendly and open to one another. And, you know, if I call a coffee shop, you know, I've done this, you know, went to a place in Maine and I'm like, man, I really liked this drink. Don't tell me your recipe, mm -hmm. but give me some pointers. Where should I start? Yeah. And they're like, Hey, here's what we, here's, you know, pretty, here's 80% of what we do. Now make it your own thing. Um, wow. the, the likelihood to share is pretty prevalent in the coffee industry, but I want to say even more so it's important with small business right now. You see local collaborations, national collaborations. You know, one of our coffee companies that we work with a great deal, they do collabs with um, music artists. So the music artists will work with the roaster and they'll pick a style of coffee that speaks to them, might even be represented in some sort of music, and then they might help design the packaging. So it's a pretty cool, a cool concept. So I'd really, in, in, in that came up because, you know, this is a collaboration we're doing right here where we're sharing Mountaineer Media and me a cup of together to, to uh, help both our businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. For, I mean, yeah, I, this is the first time you, know, I see, you and CJ have been kind of running point on this. And I, first of all, I want to say thank you. I think it's, it's super exciting. I think it just embodies what a lot of the same things what we've been saying is that, you know, culture and communities have gone through change, whether it's like, you know, you know, predominantly driving your car, going to work, working on a screen. Like I think humanity, we crave community, we crave friendship, yeah. we crave conversation. And I think you're, you see that manifest now with nimble small businesses and, and especially the digital world. Of course, the digital world adds like the highway and the pipeline for those right. things to happen. Um, so this is, yeah, it's exactly kind of what we, we, we try to do for West Virginia. And we're honored uh, to include you now as, as a partner of this. Um, and we look forward to folks going in there, go get your media cup of coffee. Yeah. And when you're there, use a QR code, sign up for the newsletter, like CJ said, and that gets you entered to win more coffee from me, a cup on a gift card. So it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a win-win win buddy. Yeah. So. And, and I'll, I'll throw this out there. No, no, don't hold me down to anything, but I'll say that our company has been known to do some surprise things here and there. So don't be surprised if you don't get the gift card, but maybe something else happens. Okay. All right. All right. Love Good that. to know. Actually, one of the, speaking of kind of collaborations to the, you know, you get a lot of your beans from Mountaineer Roasting, right? Mm -hmm. And Morgantown, who a friend of the pod, Rusty Isaac. Yeah. And, uh, you know, talk about that kind of collaboration and, and that partnership that you guys have, because they're in Morgantown, you're here in Charleston. Yeah. You share products, and that has kind of really benefited both of you guys, I assume. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think we might, uh, you know, I think they recently got into some Kroger stores, but I think prior to that, we might have been their largest uh, account. Wow, um, which is you know, it's an it's an amazing thing for both of yeah. us. Um, I've known Rusty, and when I was with when I was at Starbucks, and 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 there was a local coffee shop, an independent shop here in town. I believe Rusty was a barista there, and I've seen him since that time, on and off. Um, and then early on, you know, I knew we wanted to, uh, be local if we could. 
um, with our roast and, and the majority of our coffee, um, at least what we use in the store every day. And so I started talking to some local West Virginia roasters, and and I have to tell a small uh, a story here that you please, know, please. roasting coffee is a lot like um, making homemade bread. You know, if you make if you make a nice bread and you and you just toast it to number seven every time, it's going to be dark and it might not you might not really see what's special about that bread. A good roaster will take the you know the bread, the metaphorical bread or the coffee beans, and say, okay, how can I make these really sing? Right, and so. Um, as I sort of auditioned and tried different West Virginia roasters, I found that a lot of them are roasting to a certain temperature or a certain color. Um, Rusty and Mountaineer is like, okay, how can I make this Kenya taste the absolute best it can be? How can I pull out this note or how can I, you know, uh, cut back the acidity? What makes it the best it can be? And he's got that real detailed mindset. I love talking to him about coffee. He's real technical and he's real deep into it. Um, and so it was a, you know, the first time I tried some of his stuff is like, this is a pretty, you know, I, I haven't tried every West Virginia roaster. There's some out there that I know are very good that I haven't had a chance to try yet. But of the ones that I've tried, which are probably, you know, eight to 10 of them, um, I think he's top of the pack. And, and uh, you know, he was able to work with us on developing our own blend for our, our house coffee, our own blend for our espresso, and uh, do it at a very high level. So it's awesome. I, I, love, I love working with a local company. Yeah. Yeah. The other good thing that you guys do is that you, you make your own chai, right? You were using <laughs> fresh chai. Not everybody yeah. does that. It's like a couple yeah. of chai pumps and some milk yeah, yeah. and call yeah. it a chai tea latte. Doesn't work like that. No, you, got, you have to do a little steeping and a little spice combination and make it work. Yeah, yeah, good deal. Well, Cooper's anything else that you wanted to kind of share there? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Venu, thank you very much for the time. And of course, yeah, this has been a lot of fun kind of get to know you and and talk about the growth and expansion of Mia Cuppa and obviously uh, how you guys have been able to really find this hold in, in Charleston and, and West Virginia at large. So thanks for what you're doing. We really appreciate you. And I appreciate you guys letting me be on. This is really cool. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So cool. All right, Venu, thank you. All right. Be well.